Turn your Bibles with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We are continuing our study through 2 Timothy today, and we're going to kick off. We're finally out of chapter 3. We were in chapter 3 for a few minutes, amen? And now we're into chapter 4. And uh, we're going to try to get through the first five verses of chapter four today. We'll see how that goes, um, Lord willing. And the creeks don't rise. We'll get through ch- uh, verse five. But we're going to continue this. And, and I, I want to give you, as we start this off this morning, I want to give you two separate quotes from two different theologians. And I, I want to, uh, to see the gravity of these, these statements. The first one is, the highest form, or I'm sorry, the highest worship of God is the preaching of the word of God. That's from Martin Luther. Not for some of those, I guess there's some confusion for some folks. Not Martin Luther King, but this is the, the, the reformer from the 1500s, Martin Luther, the, the monk. Uh, he said, the highest worship of God is the preaching of the word of God. And then the second quote that I want to give us this morning is from a, a theologian that was alive during our time, R.C. Sproul. He has now gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, but he once stated the following. The task of the pastor and the church is to feed the sheep. If someone who is not sheep comes in, that's fine. But we're not going to change the menu and give the sheep goat's food. We, we have a very focused primary job. Pastors have a primary focus. Churches have a focus. It is to teach and preach the word of God to the people of God. Somewhere we've lost that in our modern day. In our modern day churches, we have traded the preaching of God's word for gimmicks, programs, and sideshows. The early church had nothing other than the Word of God and each other. That, that's it. They had the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to lead them, and they had each other. That was it. And the church grew. The church had power. The church had strength. How do I know that they grew? Well, you're here. Amen? You're here. And so it, it, it became the organization that God chose to use to spread His specific message and to advance his kingdom. The church uses the power of God and the word of God to advance the kingdom. That is it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That is it. Today, we're going to see in the text that Paul gives instruction to Timothy. Now, we need to understand Timothy was a young pastor. And, and the instruction is to, main, is to stay Focused, be steadfast in preaching and proclaiming the word of God alone. Timothy, as a young pastor, possibly may have been wavering in his commitment to being focused on preaching the word of God. And listen, in the day in which we live, it is such an alluring temptation 
to set this aside and try some sort of a gimmick, try some sort of a, a, a model that, that's attractional. We need to get more, more backsides in here. We need to get more people in. We need to like really focus in here. Maybe if I got a lion on stage and wrestled a lion, maybe we get more people. Maybe if I gave away a car, maybe if we did something, we could get more people in the church. That's the temptation in our day and age. But Timothy has been given a command from Paul here, starting in verse 1. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. So, just alone in this first verse, we see that there is a charge specifically laid out. And this charge that Paul is giving Timothy is not just some sort of slightly you know, offhanded thing. It is a charge that is set up in, in the tone, in the seriousness. It is in the presence of God himself. This charge that t- Paul is giving Timothy is in the presence of God himself. You see, the pastor and the preacher are going to have to give an account one day on how they wielded the text. How they fed the sheep. God is the one who is going to judge me. And not not only that, he's going to judge you for what you heard or what you may have heard if you had been listening. You say, wait a minute, Caleb, did you say may have heard? That means pay attention. If you're in church and you're not paying attention, you're still going to be held to a high standard. You're going to be held to what you would have heard had you been listening. That, not, not from, that's not me. That's what you hear from God. But he is going to judge the men who carry the title of pastor, elder, and shepherd. Why? Because they're the ones who carry the message of God. They're the ones who are the mouthpiece for God. Why is this such a big deal? Because the message of the gospel going to the sheep of God, the children of God, is vital. Acts chapter 10, verse 42, Paul writes as well and says, And he commands us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to judge the living and the dead. So Paul tells us in both passages here that we are to tell people that God is going to judge He's going to judge us. And God is the one who is going to determine your eternity. God is the one who is going to determine your future. And if we are not actively telling people about this particular and certain reality, we are going to have to answer for that. Ergo, this last weekend at the Super Bowl, the He Gets Us campaign. The worst absolute malarkey and garbage that could have been put out by a Christian organization. The He Gets Us campaign laid out very specifically, my, my friend Cy Tim Bruggenkate said it the best, the He Gets Us campaign equals He Lets Us. In other words, it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter how you sin, it doesn't matter what you do, God's always going to wash your feet and He's always going to accept you. Man, that is, a, that is a lie from the pit of hell. He may get us, but man, we don't get him. 
He may understand us, but I'm telling you, the world does not understand the Lord Jesus Christ. And to have that played in front of a hundred some odd million people that watched it, what a wasted opportunity by that Christian organization. What a wasted opportunity to be able to present the gospel in a 30 second commercial. You can present the gospel in a 30 second commercial. It is possible. So the charge is a serious charge. What is the charge? Well, we find out in verse 2. Verse 2 says, Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season to reprove, rebuke, exhort with all complete patience and teaching. So the charge that is laid out in the text from Paul to Timothy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is preach the word, Timothy. Don't give in to the gimmicks. Don't give in to the idea that I need to be relevant. I need to be some sort of, I need to be cool and hip. I need to, you know what? If we just set up a background like a football stadium in the back and I wore a jersey to preach in, maybe that would be awesome. That happened last week. Dozens of churches. In fact, there was one church in particular that took a Bible in the, in the shape of a, it, it had a football cover on it. And the pastor and the pastor's wife got on stage and the pastor's wife punted the scripture to the pastor. Could you imagine if you could have an, inter- have an interaction with the Lord Jesus Christ and say, listen, Jesus, I've been with my creative team this week. And here's what we're thinking. I know that this is a sacred text that people have died at the stake for, have been burned alive for being committed to this word. But I've got an idea, Jesus. I think it'll be awesome. I think it's going to be fantastic. We're going to take a Bible that has a football look cover to it, and I'm going to set it up like this, and my wife is going to punt that thing across the stage, and I'm going to try to catch it. We're going to get people in, Jesus. It's going to be awesome. Could you imagine This is how I know we don't understand and get Jesus. We've got goofy pastors who are trying to use gimmicks to try to get people in. We're going to find out why that happens here in a minute in the text. But this is is asinine. This is hellish. This is wicked. the, the, The idea here is to preach the word. Open the Bible and open your mouth and say what the Bible says and teach it verse by verse, word by word. This is why expository preaching is so important because it takes the text for what it is and does not presuppose anything outside of the text. It doesn't make up its own, I don't make up my own thing. But when we step outside of the scriptures and we start trying to come up with gimmicks and and all these different things, one pastor dressed up like a referee, they got a, a giant wrecking ball somehow connected to the ceiling and he jumps in and comes in singing Miley Cyrus's, I came in like a wrecking ball. Could you, like, this is how I know we don't have fear of God. This, as R.C. Sproul would say, what's wrong with you people? That we would have a pastor, a shepherd, a man who is after trying to preach the word, get up and act like a fool in front of the world. 
This is why preaching the word is the primary thing. Do not give in to gimmicks or programs or attractional models to try to get more people in. Because guess what? He may have gotten more people in the room because he swang on a bowling or a wrecking ball, but he did not preach the gospel. So it's a waste of time. And not only did he waste his so ergo, because he wasted his time on the Lord's day, he's going to have to give an account for that one day. So the scripture says here, preach the word, and the next he says, be ready. This means pastors are to always be ready to preach. My dad always had a sermon tucked away. Didn't matter where we were. Didn't matter if we, you know what, it was interesting. We'd even go on vacation. And sometimes because we'd go places that people knew who dad was, he would, hey, brother Ed, would you be, would you be willing to preach? Hang on. He always had a sermon tucked away. He always had a message that was ready to be preached and he was ready to proclaim the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for those that would believe. He was ready to preach, repent of your sins and trust the gospel. He was ready to preach at a drop of a hat and sometimes he'd drop his own hat to preach. (laughs) Be ready. So we're called to be ready at any given moment, and we're called to be ready in season and out of season. So what does that mean? In season and out of season. What does that mean? This means to be ready to preach the word of God and the full counsel of God when it's popular and when it's not. Be ready to preach God's word and call sin, sin, and call men and women to repent of their sins when it's popular to do so and when it's not popular to do so. In the 50s, 60s, 70s, and even into the 80s, it was popular to preach the word. They'd have these big tents up. They'd have stadiums full of men and women coming to hear the word preached. It was popular in those days. It was popular. You'd fill rooms for people to have certain guys preach stadiums tents churches were full of people wanting to hear the gospel and i think because we've been so inoculated with religion in america it is it is given us a form of godliness that, that's not actually given us any power We've, we've, been a, we've been addicted to revivalism and decisionism where we get guys in that can do the things and say the right words and, and twist the room up a little bit and they come run to the front of the aisle. We, we had these things called, in the 90s called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames, these, these productions that would come out and for an hour you'd see Men and women dying in horrible scenarios. One, if you didn't go, know Jesus, you'd go to hell. And if, if you knew Jesus, you'd go to heaven. And Satan would pop up out of the floor and drag you into hell. And then Jesus would walk behind a curtain like, you know, some sort of a rock star with flowy hair. And he'd just be like, the hallelujah chorus would be happening. And people would get joined in. And then at the end of it, the pastor would get up and he'd say something like this. Listen, we're not trying to scare you. But who wants to go to hell? Who wants to go to heaven? Oh, me. So we become this transactional person that wants Jesus, not because he's worthy, but because he can save me from fire. 
We don't come to Jesus because he's king and he's worthy to be worshipped. I'm coming to Jesus because, well, golly, I need some fire insurance. Well, that's the reason I go to State Farm or Farmer's Insurance. I go get my fire insurance, you know. I go to First Baptist so I can get my fire insurance. No, 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 no. We come to Christ because he's worthy of our worship. So the calling here is to be ready in season. Preach that message, the full counsel of God, when people are receptive to it and when people are not receptive to it. Whew. Today is the day when it's not, being, it's not really receptive. You can barely get people to show up for church anymore. You can barely get people to come through the door anymore. We're excited to spend hours watching a sporting event while we struggle to spend two hours in church worshiping King Jesus. We'll start at 5.30 at the pregame for, this, for, the, for the Super Bowl and we'll stay connected in, eating food, having a good time, entertained, and this is the reason we think in our church models, we've got to do the same thing. Oh, God, God golly, I can't just preach the word because that's not good enough. I need to swing in on a wrecking ball. I need to wrestle a lion. I need to do something insane to get people in. And what we're doing is we're entertaining people into the pits of hell. We're entertaining people and souls are going to hell because we're not interested in offending the sinner. But we're interested in stroking the goat's hair and feeding the goat food to those that are in the room. I will not be that pastor. We struggle to get people to show up for church, but we're excited to spend 5.30, 6.30, 7.30, 8.30, 9.30, about five hours to watch a Super Bowl game. We're in the upside down. Like, it is, it's wild. Nevertheless, the pastor is called to preach the word in rooms like this, whether the room is full or the room is empty. That's the calling. And here's what we are to preach out of God's word. We're to be ready to reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teachings. So reprove means to be, is, is, is the reprimand or to correct. That's the idea of with reprove. Or to refute someone for what they've done wrong. Rebuke means to express sharp disapproval or criticism of someone because of their behavior or actions. So pastors should stand in the pulpit and we are commanded by God's word to point out to those who are in sin that they are in sin and they must repent of their sins in order to be forgiven by God in order for them to turn in order for them to see God and actually be to experience his mercy. We are commanded by God's word to point out to these people, those people, the people of the room, that they need to turn. In order for them to turn, they must put their faith in Jesus and become closer to him by repenting of their sins. They throw off their sins, and they love Jesus. They love the idea. They love the person. They love the work. They love the word of the Lord Jesus Christ more than they love their sin. Because here, I can promise you this, in a hundred years from now, you are not going to care about what's going on around you other than, did Jesus love me and and did I, did I get in? Am I saved? Am I redeemed? That is all that's going to matter. 
And a hundred years is not a long time. And some of us are going to die before then. Man. We are commanded by God's word to do these things. We do this to help people make peace with the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason I stand up, listen, I can make this place a whole, like we could do a whole lot more crazier things in here and get more people in. If I just tone down my message. If I, listen, if I put out on Facebook, listen, we're giving away a PlayStation 5, an Xbox, a new Xbox, and a couple of bikes next Sunday. You know how many people are going to be in the room? If I said, listen, we're, we've, we've dug into the coffers and we're going to figure out a way, we're going we're to pool together, we're going to give away $10,000 next Sunday. But you've got to be in the room to win. You'll get a ticket when you walk in the door. And we'll do a raffle drawing after the church. That balcony would be full. That balcony would be full. These would be full. Put, we'd have to put chairs down here. The whole town would show up. Why? Because Jesus is king? No, because I get $10,000. What in the world? We're selfish, narcissistic people that want the stuff of God, but we don't want God. And I'm telling you, there will be a day where we will be judged for that. Man, I'm telling you, the reason I stand and am committed to the word of God is I want people to be able to make peace with God. I don't care. We just sang it. I'd rather have Jesus than anything else. Is that your heart's cry this morning? Is that you'd rather have Jesus than worldwide fame, than riches, than lands, and gold, and silver, and all the stuff of the world? Man, I pray that that would be the case. And I know that that, like, to, ex- to, to rebuke and reprove, that's the, that's the part of ministry that's not fun. To have to sit down with someone and say, listen, you're in sin. You need to repent of your sins. You're in the midst of whatever sin you're in. You need to get rid of that sin and you need to get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to follow him supremely and obey his commands. I know that that is not the fun side of pastoring or of ministering. But it is a prerequisite in order for people to be saved. You have to expose people to the law of God and to make them understand that they're sinners. Every one of you in this room is a sinner and is in the wake of God's judgment outside of Christ. So we, we reprove, we, we rebuke. And not because we want to be like, ha ha, I was right, look at that! You're going to hell! That, that's not our hope. My hope is that you'd be reconciled and forgiven and set free from your sin. I love to see it when men and women are set free from their self and their sin and they walk in newness of life. It is a, it's a game changer. It is a whole new ball game. When I see men and women set, when the, when the light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, I need to be saved. Oh my goodness. Oh, oh, wow. And they repent of their sins and they trust the gospel. Man, it's like they're on cloud nine and not, you can't get them down. That's what I love to see. Now, the next part of this, it says to exhort. We are called to exhort people. This means that we encourage them or urge them to see Jesus for who he is. That he is God and to follow him. This is the part of ministry that I, man, I love to say, listen, Jesus is better. 
Jesus is awesome. Jesus is king. Jesus is our father, our redeemer, our savior, our God. We need to follow him with all our gusto. With everything we've got, we need to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust him. Because here's the thing, people. We... We gotta, we gotta, we gotta come to understand that we don't have the promise of tomorrow. We're called to do all these things, and we're called to see God for who He is, and how. We're called to do this with complete patience. Because here's the thing: people don't always get it the first time, so we gotta keep, we gotta just keep saying it. We gotta keep saying it. So we, we suffer long. We have long suffering with people the way God had long suffering with us. Aren't you thankful that God didn't give up on you after the second time? Or the third time? The 452nd time? Anybody? Am I, am I the only one? Anybody else? You thankful that God didn't give up? Okay, oh, thank God. Oh, I got scared for a minute. All right, got a couple of you in a room. Thought maybe I was preaching the wrong crowd, Walida. I, I wasn't sure. <laughs> But man, I'm I'm thankful that God didn't give up on me. That he kept pursuing. That he kept coming after me. So what's my calling here? I preach the word and I plead with you to come to Christ. Why are we as pastors and churches called to stick to the word of God and preach the word of God? Well, we see that in verse 3 and 4. Because there's coming a time when people will not listen, will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll have itching ears and they will accumulate or they will gather for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths, fables, or lies. Folks, I need you to hear me. We are living in that culture right now. Right now, we are living in this culture. This is the reason we've got churches that look like the, the monstrosities that we have. And we have people who are parading and masquerading around in titles of pastors. But they're just motivational speakers that, say, that, that teach the same message that Zig Ziglar and all these other positive think, positive do preachers do, or speakers do. They just throw on the title, I'm a pastor. No, you're not. You're a motivational speaker that has gimmicks and, and, and props and, and smoke and mirrors and light. You know, you're Tony Robbins. That, that's, that's, that's the day we live in. That people are, are not going to listen to solid biblical teaching. They don't want to hear biblical theology. These people do not want to hear pastors stand firm on godly doctrine. They want pastors to tell them funny stories, entertaining stories, and make the Bible all about them. You're, you're, you're just like David, and your problems are the, the Goliath. And you just, you're David. No, listen, you're not David. That's a quote from another pastor. You're not, you're not David. This Bible is not about you. It is about King Jesus. And it's about the sovereignty and the, and the mightiness and the, the, the goodness of who God is. It is not, David is not a picture of you. If you're anybody in that story of David and Goliath, you are the Israelites in the background going, oh my gosh. Like, that's, that's us. We're the ones in the background screaming. You know who David is? He's a picture of Jesus. 
Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is the greater Abraham. Jesus is the greater Paul. It's all about Jesus. It is not about, you know, your struggles in life is Goliath and you're, you know, that's not it. That's, That's not the idea. We live in a culture that doesn't want to stand firm on gospel centered preaching. They want this man or woman to stand behind the pulpit and say, Jesus just wants you to be a better man just wants you to be a better woman now just try hard this week jesus is not a do-better pill he is a life giver he brings the dead from death to life and i need you to hear me the bible is not all about you and me it's about king jesus and so many people are wandering away from solid biblical preaching christ-centered preaching to teaching that is all about a man the man is big eye me how can you make me feel better about who i am as a person pastor you do your, you got you got 30 minutes um, that's all i'm giving you i'm giving you more than that today but here's the deal what do we do we stand behind pulpits like this we have guys that stand behind pulpits and make it all about you all about me and if a pastor is talking about all all about how the bible is about you and how god is here to serve you, and the pastor need, then that pastor needs to repent. If you've been to a church where it's all about you, and the pastor's saying, listen, you're just awesome, and it's so great, I just want, you're just amazing people, it's just da, 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 da. No, we're a bunch of wretches that have been saved by grace. Amen? Like, that's the story. And that's, the, he gets his campaign, the whole idea is that Jesus is the one who serves you, and he massages your ego, and he washes your feet. You don't have to repent of your sins. You want to you live the lifestyle you want to do? You want to be the horrible hurt human being god doesn't care he'll just he'll just love you anyway just come on in here no need to repent no need to change your lifestyle no need to pursue holiness you just do you and come on in no we are called by god to run from sin and pursue christ Woo. so many people wander away from these things and pastors stroke this ego, and those pastors need to repent, and they probably need, I'll go ahead and say, they, they might even need to be saved. I like the way the translation, this translation says this. A time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. That's... It's pretty plain. It's pretty simple. I don't need to exegete that text anymore because that is plain out. Like, this is the day we live. Paul's telling Timothy, don't even go down this path. This is why we stick to the preaching of the word. And if we stick to the word, we don't wander off the path. If we say, okay, I'm going to just read what the Bible says. I'm going to tell you what the word of God says about these things in culture. I'm just going to read it verse by verse, line by line. I'm not going to try any gimmicks. I don't have any smoke. I don't nothing. I'm just here. We don't wander off the path that the Lord has laid out. The Bible is the center to be the center focus of our ministry. We are not tempted to do any other things if we stick to the word. If we just stick to the word, we're not allured into the idea that man, I just I could get another couple hundred people in here if we just, if we could just somehow build a giant set and I could jump on a trampoline for a little bit, I bet people would show up. 
There's churches that do that today. Watch the video. Guys bouncing on a trampoline while he's preaching. Could you imagine watching me bounce on a trampoline while I preached? <laughs> Y'all are giggling, but there's people that are like, that's awesome. Like, that's dumb. Just stick with the word of God and you'll, and listen, God's going to, and listen, because here's the thing. We think that we're, we get in these megaplex complexes of, 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 especially in the pastor world, when we start seeing people saved, we're like, golly, I'm doing awesome. I'm doing pretty good. Look at me. I'm not the one who saves. I'm just an instrument in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who saves, not me. And this is why the Bible must be our center focus. So that we do not stumble into worldly ideologies. This is why I'm committed to teaching teaching verse by verse, line by line, word by word. And I promise to never play fast and loose with the scriptures. You will never have me as a pastor playing fast and loose with the text. Because here's the problem. If I as your pastor play fast and loose with the text, you're going to play fast and loose with the text. Well, the pastor did it. I can do it too. You're never going to see Jamie up here with the Bible ready to punt it to me. And if you do... There's enough of you in here that are, that are armed with pistols. Go ahead and take me out and just behind the woodshed here and you'll see a firing squad. Just end it because I've, I've gone too far. I've gone too far. I don't want to play fast and loose. So I will always hold the text in high regard and preach it like our lives depended on it because here's the truth. Our lives do depend on it. Amen? Our lives depend on it. Oh, what a day we live in. We need more godly men to stand behind this text and say, here's what God's word says. Now apply it in your life. Obey the commands. Follow the Lord Jesus supremely. Surrender to him. That's the calling today. So congratulations. We did get through all five verses. Well, yeah. praise the Lord. Amen.